Welcome to the JRD Hogcast. I am your host, Dylan Lee, joined as always with my co-host, Jordan Russell, and our producer, Luke Griggs. Well, we are getting back at it today, Jordan. We got, uh, I think a pretty good show lined up here. We have, uh... Some baseball NIT, we got some basketball NIT, obviously, <laughs> not baseball NIT, uh, women NIT, and uh, I'm, I'm excited for this Twitter Dirt segment, the new segment, we've been getting a lot of good feedback on that one, and uh, I think I got something special for you today, something special. Looking forward to it. All right, let's see. We will, I'd say, just go with what's fresh. We got the baseball team just wrapping up their series against Alabama. And it's another series win. And uh, it is their first SEC road series win since 2017. It's kind of hard to believe considering the success we've had, right? Absolutely. So, I mean, they've already won more road series this year. Than they did, they've actually doubled, I believe, that number than last year. So, uh, <laughs> a baseball stat we're not all so proud of. <laughs> yeah, when you, when you double one, that that's not all that impressive. But hey, we'll that's, take that's it. not necessarily good. <laughs> hey, uh, I was going to ask you: Does this uh, bullpen concern you at all after the Texas and Alabama series? Uh, definitely for midweek series. I mean, the Saturday game wasn't all that great either, but uh, you actually look at the numbers and you can, they mentioned it a few thousand times during multiple broadcasts, even on the uh, Shorthorn Network, that we do have a really good bullpen statistically when you talk strikeout to walk ratio, but <laughs> then we went ahead and, you know, gave up, what, 18 free passes against Texas, and... uh Quite a bit on Saturday. Uh, I, can't I, I don't remember. know what the free pass number was on Saturday, but I guess um, aside from just the bullpen in general, Connor Nolan's not had good outings the past two weekend series. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that, and it kind of goes back to some of our first few episodes where I didn't think I would see him in a starting rotation, and then it came out opening weekend that he was going to be in that role, and I thought it was a little surprising. I just feel like a guy like that, you should throw him to the wolves that early. Uh, again, it's hard for us to sit here and talk because ultimately it's Dave Van Horn, and you just trust the man, but... That's always kind of the <laughs> caveat with the baseball talk. It's like, well, it is Van Horn. Yeah. So... You're there's not questioning. A, there's Bielema a plan. Yeah, there's a plan here. We know this, right? So, but I still, I, I still like the idea of having Connor Nolan in the bullpen rotation and bringing up somebody like a, I just Ramage. Like a yeah, Ramage. I feel That's like would one. be there. Because uh, honestly, the thought process has to be that in that Saturday role is almost like a midweek series right now because they're piecing it together with as many arms as they can get. They're going to get up there in the five and six range. 
So might as well start with your best arm on Saturday, right. even if right. it is three or four innings, but that just be your Saturday deal. So uh, Saturday, Nolan gave up three earned runs in an inning and two-thirds, and Ramage gave up three runs in three and a third innings. Now, obviously, momentum and stuff, I don't know what uh, the base scenario was when Ramage came in. I don't know how many were on the on the base pass or nothing, but I don't think Ramage has had a bad outing yet, really. I wouldn't say he has. I mean, that's... <laughs> He seems like he'd thrive in a role like that, and I think you could probably get more innings out of him because well, he, he's coming in. He's coming in in tough spots right now. I mean, right. Um, so I don't know if I've done it on the on the show yet, but I'm gonna eat some crow with Isaiah Campbell. Have I eaten crow yet with him? I think a little bit. I mean, it might have been like an appetizer, but let's get to the main course. You, <laughs> you got to eat the whole thing at this point. He's, he's the real deal. Me wrong, man. He's uh, his draft stock each weekend is just every Friday it's going it's going up, and it's gotten to the point now where he is the uh, Blaine Knight on the mound where you you're not worried about it. I mean, he is completely 180 from last year in his Sunday starting position to Friday. It's Knight and Campbell, night and day. <laughs> oh, that was bad. <laughs> Yeah. I can't, I can't be held responsible for what I say on this thing. <laughs> no, you definitely and, can. Uh, Cronin, I did not know this. You know I'm a big fan of saving his arm. It had been 13 days since he has thrown until he came in today. Yeah, and at that point, you kind of have to do that. I mean, they were talking about it on the broadcast. Like, well, I mean, if you don't, if you do, this and that. But he came in, I don't think he threw – more than maybe 13 pitches or something like that. So And Bama did 14. the same thing with theirs. I mean, they were down eight runs, and they brought in their closer. So it's one of those deals, you momentum, keep the rhythm, and just keep the you know arm going. What's your opinion on the huge discrepancies? So we won 12 to 3 on Friday. We lost 10 to nothing on Saturday. And then came back and won today, uh, what was it, 10 to 2 or something like that? So, when we win, we win. <laughs> and when we lose, it's ugly. Well, at least the last few series, it looks like it's that way. Uh, yeah, I think that was, um, and, and, I don't think before then it was more than a couple runs when we did lose. Yeah, it's, it's still, again, early in this season. Mm-hmm. And... I think they'll sure some stuff up, but it's more or less a momentum deal in the aspect of rhythm. And when you have the small ball go- going, then it's really going to, you know, you, you get hyped and you're able to make the plays that you need to. But we were getting picked off on some real lazy base running on Saturday. Surprisingly lazy. Is yeah. Kinda... So it was uncharacteristic. Um, yeah. you, you said that the last game of the Texas series was probably the ugliest, but I almost want to say now it's been one-upped with the Alabama just because of a hole. Like, it's it's difficult to get any highlights out of a game where you give up 18 free passes on a base and then you give up five runs walking in or hitting a batter in. So 
And the aspect of that, yeah, it looks like an ugly game, but Saturday was honestly, from all aspects of the game, was pretty ugly. I mean, we weren't getting the bats there. We were just getting thrown out, and they, they have a heck of a catcher there. And he was making some throws the second, but with what we've seen all year, it was pretty sad to see the base pass because that's what I've been real, the most excited about with this baseball team. Mm-hmm. They're juiced, they're ready to run, and you know, steal some bags, and that didn't seem the case on Saturday. No. We, uh, we've we been keeping up with the statistic of stolen bases throughout these episodes. I was a bit lazy in preparation today, but I don't know how many times we've been caught. I want to say it's in the realm of three or four now, but we have successfully stolen 43. And we were at like 50-something last year. The 51. Whole year. Yeah, 51 the whole year, so we're definitely... I saw. Did you did you get to see today? I know you had some family business to attend to today, but Martin stole second, kind of an aired throw a little bit, kind of dribbled out into the outfield. Sucker made it from first to home on a stolen second base attempt. Yeah, I saw that. Can you imagine what he would do if he was fast? <laughs> oh, oh, that man. kid's athletic, man. I I love that kid. He's he's exciting to watch. He's kind of up and down on the ba- uh, on the bats right now, though. So. I swear, man, it's it's the it's the strikeouts that he gets. It's like he is looking into the next state when he swings. He just he's, he, he's got he some hero ball. He's got some hero ball in him. So. Yeah. And then I saw uh, I saw that uh, Franklin. He, he struck out three times today. Did he today? Yeah, he's he's hurting that average. He came in at uh, three hundred. So. That's not going to do that any favors. So it's not going to move you up from the nine spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was going to see if I could get that in front of me, but yeah, he had no. He had four, four strikeouts, four strikeouts, and then well, they call that the golden sombrero. The golden sombrero. I don't know what that means, but it sounds funny. Yeah. But the unfortunately on the softball side of things, um, they lost the series to Tennessee, but you got a Mary Half statistic. That's yeah. good out of the weekend. Yeah, she uh fifteen strikeouts, uh, career best, and she must be listening to the podcast and she said, You know what, Jordan? <laughs> I'm just gonna go and deal it against these volunteers. They're gonna they're gonna strike out. Fifteen. Follow it up today with a one inning of pitching and <laughs> Well, <laughs> so no, I, I think uh, I think they'll get it going. That's um, if I'm if I remember right, they have a pretty young team, right? Or no? For the most part, yeah. I mean, half's a sophomore, right? So, yeah, she's um, a freshman phenom. Yeah, and they'll get there again. I'm I'm saying that that's the best hire that Jeff Long made. <laughs> so. Always got to bring in Jeff Long. You miss him, don't you? Uh, uh, (laughs) I miss Coca-Cola at the football games and basketball games. We'll just say that. So, But, I mean, we have the NIT. Speaking of uh, Jeff Long and coaching and all that good stuff. and You got anything to say about the NIT, Dylan? Um, Well, the bold prediction is still a bold prediction. And it's, you know, crushed in the aspect that we are not winning the NIT. Hate to break that to you. 
Um, but the season is officially over. We got to take a look at this new team for next year. Get to see these young guys coming in. And really, I'd have to do some more digging. All I know coming into next year, some of the new faces that we have. Ali, who I believe is a bigger man. He's like, I think he might be 6'10", uh, Nigerian. And we also have Justice Hill coming in. So, uh if we, nothing bad happens during the football season. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens with Hill. I don't I don't have too much faith in that whole two-sport thing, especially if it's going to be at quarterback. Well, that mm-hmm. actually, to me, makes it more probable because he's not going to see the field at quarterback. So, if he was a skill guy, there's definitely more opportunity for injury and keeping – keeping him off the court, you know, if he ends up getting hurt. So, I but think I mean, there's a... I understand wanting to play a sport that you love and everything, but when you're that deep in the quarterback room, do you want to just stay and take the licks and practice? I mean, I know he's not a quarterback, or he is a quarterback, and he's going to be wearing a green jersey and not taking a lot of hits, but he's still doing the wear and tear on his body and all that kind of stuff. And he's also going to be conditioning differently or should be conditioning differently for both sports so it's not the same thing as a pitcher and a quarterback it's a quarterback and a point guard you know so you concerned about him i just i don't i just don't get the two sport idea of it i mean if you're 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 gonna be a hog you can still be a hog and i think basketball is a sport like at that point just Pick one. <laughs> it's not the same case as Connor Nolan, because I think Connor Nolan still has an outside chance to play quarterback. So wouldn't that lobby a better interest in him not playing baseball? No. Reason? I mean, I, I there's been plenty of folks that have done it. I mean, Barry Lunny has done it on staff, so he's got an expert guy that's gone through that kind of training and knows what it is, and... With Connor, like I said, it's a pitcher. And yes, throwing a football and a baseball are different, but you can still work the same muscles and still have some cross-training when it comes to conditioning. And that I don't see that with basketball and being a point guard. You will get the strength and conditioning side out of football to help you get ready for basketball. Connor's got a heck of a lot better chance of getting hurt. Yeah. So, but in, Connor in also Connor also shouldn't be a starting pitcher either, so <laughs> There it is. I was just trying to get you to say that again. That's all that was. Yeah, so. I mean, haven't seen enough of Connor on tape to warrant. I think he's more of a baseball player. So, again, We've had these off-air discussions about one Kyler Murray and his decision and all that kind of stuff. And ultimately, if you have the ability to go make MLB money, go make MLB money. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, the money aspect of it for sure. I mean, you can. There were four hundred thirty million dollars for old uh, Mike Trout. Yeah. So. And you thought you thought Bryce Harper was going to have the big contract this year. Bryce Harper thought he was going to have the big contract this year. Yeah, that's why he waited so long. 
Trout yeah. was just sitting there like, nope, I got this. Yeah, hold my beer. As soon as soon as that uh, as soon as the uh, Harper contract stuff came out, I'm sure Trout was on with the agent and was like, you know what to do. Oh yeah, that they were sitting there waiting. Didn't even probably didn't even know Trout was looking for any kind of big money because <laughs> there was there's opportunity for him to play with Harper, right? Wasn't Harper trying to lobby get him over there with him at the Phillies? See, that's the thing uh, with baseball, like. You see a little bit of that lobbying and that kind of stuff, and you don't know how much of it is just pure shenanigans, but they're not developing super teams, and it's obviously because it's a harder sport to do that with. I mean, I think we've actually touched on this off-air as well, but you have a whole pitching rotation, and eventually they they allow money to be thrown out at that sport because the economics on that thing and... Just the willingness. I mean, you can write a check and try to win a championship still the same, but they're, I mean, the last probably chance at it was maybe maybe the Dodgers, I feel like, was doing it. Anaheim tried it with Trout and Pujols when he was, you know, decent, and, but that was on his downhill. Like, mm-hmm. I just, you don't... He still, he still got some decent money, but not the money he would have gotten seven years prior to that. Talking yeah. about Pujols. yeah. You don't see too much of that, but kind of reeling it back into what we're wanting to talk about today. Uh, We got from NIT to MLB. I don't know how that worked out, but uh, (laughs) really the next thing we got, the women, NIT, they're they're moving on. We're still having basketball inside Bud Walton Arena. They won. 100 points. Yeah, they won 152 against... University of Alabama, Birmingham. And, and Dungey was not the star. Yeah, so equal scoring. I mean, everyone that saw the court scored, and we had five players inside double figures. Like, that's impressive. They, and then next, they play TCU Friday night. Uh, tickets are on sale now. Like, go support we, these girls. Are we going to try to make that? Yeah. I mean, there might be some conflicts. We usually record on Thursdays. Didn't you just say it was Friday? No, it's Thursday. The day you said before. Friday. Oh, well, it's Thursday. Thursday night. Okay. TCU. We can put we can push Bud. it to Friday. <laughs> <laughs> or we can record live in Bud Walton Arena. Yeah, sure. I'm sure we can make that happen. We'll get with our producer and see what kind of magic he's got in the hat. I'm sure he's got something, some kind of pool he can get Maybe us Maybe we can sit down there beside Chuck. Old Chuck. <laughs> just, all right, step aside. Well, I don't think he does it. That'd be that'd be. That'd be Phil Elson there. So step aside, Phil. I got this. I just got verification from our producer. He says, and I quote, Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I believe that means he's gonna make it happen. So all expense paid for me and you, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, no, old- that's impressive, man. They got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, thirteen players that scored at least a point. Yeah. If you can't win with that, <laughs> maybe I I see you know when I said my bold prediction, I forgot you to meant add, the women. Yeah, <laughs> I, I forgot a W in there, and I was like, yeah, the women are gonna win the WNIT. I'll buy that. So I believe you. You're an honest man. <laughs> so obviously, if you look around the fan base, especially on Twitter, 
you see that they're getting really excited and supporting the women perfectly fine and acting like the WNIT is the national championship on the women's side. But you talk about it on the men's side, and it's no matter what happens, we're firing, you know, Mike Anderson Mm -hmm. and get rid of him and all this kind of stuff. And on the opposite, if the women lose on Thursday, it's going to be like, amazing season, congratulations. This is a building block for this young team. How is that not the same as a, you know, because the NIT is a building block to get some momentum into the next season. Well, personally, I, I've told you I don't have anything wrong with the NIT. Like, I don't have any issues with it. I think it is. It's it's essentially an extended period of bowl season, you know, in football, if you will, the extra practices and all that. But if they didn't, if the women didn't win today, I would feel the same as I did when the men didn't win yesterday. Or were they both yesterday? But – it's not a, it's not a big deal. I mean, you got extra practices and that's good, but a lot of the Twitter people that you're referring to probably didn't watch one women's game all year. Right. Exactly. So they're just jumping on the bandwagon right now because they all of a sudden know that they got snubbed from the NCAA tournament and all that. So. I guarantee. Twitterverse, man. Yeah. So the SEC tournament run helped, obviously, to kind of get our fan base back on there and jump onto that bandwagon. I completely understand that you can't follow every sport, but right. there is a lot of cross promotion with this. And, you know, if you're covering and going to the men's games, you're going to get some drops of the women. And that's on both sides on um, baseball and basketball and Hogs through and through for fans by fans, right? <laughs> so, right, yeah. It's just, it's well, one of those deals where people are just honestly fed up with Mike Anderson. So they want to sit there and downplay everything else. But you got to understand there's still young players and individuals on these teams. And it's an extension of that. So I, I you know, I'm definitely not on the train of firing him. Like right now, this right, you know, in this month or in the next month or whatever it may be, he's got one more year in my book, and you know, reevaluate that at the end of next year. It's got to be better results than this year. So, so if it's not, did you waste an opportunity? Waste an opportunity to what? Go get somebody. Mm Hmm. I mean, Willie Wade's gonna be available, right? Well. I just can't, man. It's I hate I hate to be that guy in the aspect of who you're gonna get and obviously I haven't scoured and tried to look for the next guy, but also in a sport that I'm more comfortable in, if you had me do that at the end of Bioma, Chad Morris wouldn't have been on my list and he wasn't until the rumor mill started coming out and I had to look into his system and see who he was as a, a coach and everything and I thought it was a decent hire at the time. Uh, still do, obviously. But I, it's going to go back to right now, you fire Mike Anderson, who are you going to get? And it's also a little weird because here in three, four days, they're going to be discussing naming the court, Nolan Richardson Court, 
and you're going to, you know, overshadow that announcement with possibly firing the protege of Nolan Richardson, and it's just going to be weird all over again. Uh, I mean, to the people that take it personally, yeah, but NCAA is a business, whether yeah. we like it or not. So, But uh, ultimately, and I'm going to constantly go back to this right now, how can you punish Mike Anderson? I understand he's going on eight years now. How can you punish Mike Anderson when you have everyone around him cheating? Like, we have the FBI wiretapping guys that he plays twice a year, at least, sometimes three, and confirm stuff and cheating and weird stuff. How are you going to punish him? Because it, from all intents of purposes, it looks like he's running a clean program. And he's doing a good job running a clean program with, you know, some exceptions, like some counterfeit money a few years back. But Well, that wasn't him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I thought we weren't going to talk about Mike Anderson. I know. I got here, so... I might as well bring up the fact that Avery Johnson got fired in Alabama. We said we weren't <laughs> going to bring that up either. So, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm definitely happy to say that we have a coach that is being clean, as far as we know. But just because you're clean doesn't mean you can't produce better results. I mean, I mean, it, it, it hampers your results when guys are cutting checks and paying off houses and loans for players moms and stuff coaching's it, coaching though so well i mean, I mean he, it makes it harder to recruit when you ain't well he's cashing everybody checks. was excited about this recruiting class that he had coming in this year this past season yeah you I mean, including yourself yeah did you not think that they would do better they're they're still there i mean they're gonna be there next year so <laughs> i i always thought that this would be more of a gap year even with Gafford coming back. I didn't well, think it would be NIT. I will say that. I thought we would get to the tournament. And lose. I thought we would get to the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've got my opinion about it. It's I don't... I, I told you a few episodes ago, I'm not saying fire him right now or anything, but if it happens, I'm not going to sit here like, <gasps> didn't see that coming. Yeah. I mean, and it's not going to happen because of the naming of the court. It's not going to happen. He's got another year, so he better produce, or he's gone. Fair enough. And then we and then we can look into who can we who we can bring behind him. Yeah, exactly. I think we'll put a bow on that, and I think we can officially say that will be the last of firing Mike Anderson talk until unless we get it some, happens. <laughs> until we get some official stuff, we'll put a bow on that topic, push it aside. We promise. No more Mike Anderson talk. So you brought you brought up how we went from um, MLB talk after uh, softball or whatever. Yeah, we we just went from WNIT to fire Mike Anderson talk. Yep, we Put loose cannons in here. <laughs> yeah, we went we went full circle on that. So uh, let's just go into a completely different segment and becoming our favorite segment. It's still some uh, we got some good stuff. It's our Twitter dirt. And it's brought to you by Mobile Detail, LLC. Elite Mobile Detail, Elite. LLC. I dropped that Elite. <laughs> I am sorry. Elite Mobile Detail, LLC. 
Give him a call to get your uh, car. He doesn't like the term clean, so get your car detailed. Uh, give him a call at 832-540-8013. All right. So this one we saw across, so we really couldn't cite it, call anybody out specifically or anything. It got retweeted across the board, multiple social media. I'm sure anyone listening probably caught on to it. It's the video of Tom Izzo getting into one of his players, essentially coaching them. And uh, I, I, you know, I, I saw it. I definitely, that whole deal. And this is more of a Jordan deal. He wanted to throw this one in there because he's got some thoughts on it. So I will let him have the floor here. <laughs> Take over. Well, it, it goes into this pansy-ass safe room, safe space. Oh, my God. I can't believe he's talking to a kid like that. I think he may have even brushed him on his chest a little bit and then sets down, gets in their little team huddle at a timeout. Apparently some more things were said. He goes to stand up. Players, I'm doing air quotes here, had to pull him back. And the internet got outraged. I mean, they were calling for the guy's head because he was getting into a kid's butt who wasn't doing his job. I want to know how many of those folks that were outraged have ever been coached in their life. And it was just more of a fact. They, they might not even be basketball fans. This is the worst time for something to happen because you've got everyone in the office filling out a bracket based on the color of their teams or the mascot of the team, whatever it may be. So they're paying attention to these sports. And then there is a young man and he's getting yelled at and that just ain't right. Well, here's some background to you. I served in the military for four <laughs> years. Now, Thank you for your service. <laughs> there, there are drill instructors. There are TIs. You have all those individuals that will coach you and guide you you just get over it it's part of what you do now i am not putting this on level of the military with sports or anything like that but anybody that's been coached i sure hope you've had a, a good butt chewing i believe it was Sapin that said something like that was just a butt chewing <laughs> essentially um it's just part of it's part of the game it develops the young men or young boys into men kind of thing and i just i can't believe it and it's more or less where we're at in society today i think it's absolutely a bigger deal because of the time period this happens at the beginning of the season it probably isn't nearly as big but you have everybody and their mom filling out a bracket and i well, think well and when I when I was playing football back in the day, I don't want to tell you how long ago it was because it seems like forever ago, but uh, we had a loss to a team that we hadn't lost to in something like 30-plus years, 20-plus years, something like that. And the next day, scheduled off day, and you just watch film. Well, the coaches put us out there. We're doing fitting drills, running drills, up-downs, all kinds of stuff. Well, during the fitting drills, people were doing it, wasn't doing a good enough job coach gets pissed off and he just happens to have his son play for us as well he grabs his son shows you how to fit dispose he fit and he disposed the hell out of his son literally five yards threw him on the ground and we're all like holy crap but none of us went home and told our mamas 
Coach was being mean out there. He even hit his son and threw him down on the ground, and I don't want to play football no more. It's freaking coaching. Get over it. That's ultimately what it goes down to. And uh, we were going to try to cut it in. We really couldn't. But Scott Van Pelt, I think, wrapped that up real nice. Uh, if you got a chance, go watch that clip. But uh, he mentions that Izzo has a following from former players that completely reached out and, you know, shot all the stuff down about, you know, how mean he is. And the funny thing that Scott Van Pelt points out is the fact that these weren't one-and-done guys with him. He's got guys that mm-hmm. went to Final Fours as juniors and seniors in a, in a sport that that isn't common anymore. I Meaning mean, that if it was as bad as they say it is, you know, as the media tries to make it, those kids would want to get the hell out of there, right? They would have either transferred out or went ahead and went to the pros. Mm-hmm. They're not scared of him. He's coaching. Yeah, one of those being Draymond Green. Miles yeah, Bridges, like like big names. We're not talking about, oh, they weren't NBA talents. These were ML, NBA talents, sorry. Right. Uh, I saw on Twitter, uh, the only one that's sticking out in my head right now off the top of my head is uh, our boy Mike Woods tweeted out, retweeted that saying – Something to the effect of that ain't nothing. You know, I can't remember verbatim what it was. And I think Dorian Gerald also there was, retweeted with a comment. Yeah, there was definitely a few football players that did that. And uh, not, I guess I am going to compare the two sports, but you're definitely going to get more of that in football, it would seem, than basketball you, just because of the nature of the sport. Like, we're not going to sit here right. and act like football isn't a physical sport in the aspect of that. I mean, you're hitting people constantly every play, so it is, and you're going to have moments like that between everybody because it's not just the coach coaching. You've got senior guys that are going to try to coach you up, and you're going to have some conversations like that, shall we say. (laughs) So Yeah, I don't – I mean, like you said, it's it's the society we live in. I mean, you can't – spank your children anymore without cps being called you know it's if you if you can't handle that any level of sport any kind of sport don't play sport i mean it's that simple absolutely he's i can't i'm going to say it one more time he's freaking coaching the kid yep he didn't he didn't slap him didn't kick him in the balls he didn't trip him throw him down he like I said, put his hand on the kid's chest and is screaming in his face. Oh my God, I I can't watch it anymore. Yeah. Oh man. And they won the game, <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, and he said in his press conference, um, I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but uh, he didn't defend himself. He essentially said, "If you can't handle it, then don't come here." <laughs> he wouldn't have to. Uh, defend himself that he was coaching (laughs) somebody under the comments was saying uh they can't wait to wean out these um generation of coaches because they're mean and talking to the kids like that and stuff like give me a freaking break and i bet you're right though i didn't even think about that but the tournament and everybody filling out brackets don't watch basketball and stuff that you're probably right that didn't help anything either no all the eyes were on (laughs) on that game and it was a higher seed game so that's definitely going to happen and we'll well the next part of this twitter dirt segment um is a little weird one for me but 
John Oliver, not calling him out, but that's just strictly what we saw through Twitter, a young man from West Helena, running back and plays on the defensive side of the ball. I got to love his hustle, <laughs> the social media hustle, shall we say. He's uh, at and coaches. He's after it. He doesn't have any offers to play football. And if you watch his D1 tape, in my personal opinion, he's probably not a D1 talent. But you can definitely see the heart. And he fully is committed or wants to be a Razorback. So my question and the reason it's in here is like, what do you think of that? Is that a good look? Is that the way you want to go about trying to get an offer? Is at and hashtagging and being in all the trying to get all these mentions with any coach possible on the Razorback staff? Uh, it's this weird one for me too. Um, personally, I don't like it. I don't. It's um, it's kind of you. You like the passion, you know. He's wanting to play. He's wanting to commit himself to the next level. Um, even saw a video of him doing a workout, you know, kind of showing his grit, I guess. But to me, it's, it's, uh, kind of like dating. You don't want to look desperate because if you look desperate, it kind of turns whoever you're courting off. Like, well, I can get him whenever I want to. So I just don't think it's the best look for a kid. And especially with all the eyes on Twitter that there are. I don't love it. I'm not. I'm not bashing the kid by any means, but it just you. You know, maybe let your play do the talking. Let your film do the talking for you. Yeah, just kind of, you know, put your put your nose down, grind it out, get better at your game because he has, you know, gotten better from sophomore to junior year, but still. From what you see, at least, and this is the stuff that he's putting on Twitter, you know, his highlight tapes. He's not a D1 talent right now. Work on that, develop your game, and with you being an in-state guy, you know, you have that chance. You have the opportunity to come to all these camps and everything like that, and because you're not getting an offer in this, you know, go around with recruiting, let your senior season do the talking for you and, you know, work to try to maybe set yourself up to worst-case scenario. If you want to be a hog so bad, get that walk-on spot or that preferred walk-on spot at the least. Well, and also the emphasis that Morris came in day one, his opening press conference, he put a huge emphasis on putting a wall around the state, right? Like, he doesn't want anybody out of the state. Uh, it's kind of rude, I guess, using this term, but worth the scholarship on the team. If you produce, he's going to get you here. And if you don't, we were talking before the air, before we went live here, uh, or not live, but before we started recording, go the JUCO route. You know, if you're that dedicated to play, try to get a JUCO scholarship somewhere, master your talents even more there, and, again, eyes will be on you at that point. Yeah, and you can definitely, uh, if you look, the Chad – Coach Morris, he has good relationships with a lot of these community colleges. I mean, he dipped into Last Chance U with Independence, and, it, you know, I think Mississippi Gulf Coast is another one that we've gotten a few guys from. So maybe even look that route where it's almost like there is still an Arkansas pipeline, even though 
you're not at Arkansas, you're still going to get looked at by us. I mean, they're not going to forget that you played at West Helena and that you want to be a Razorback. It's like, we got it. <laughs> now just develop the game and become a Razorback. Right. And it's, I mean, it's just an extra step to your, to your dream ultimately. I mean, if it's, if he is as committed to being a Razorback as he clearly appears to be, he's, he's going to put that work in whatever work it takes to get on the team. He's going to put that work in. So again, we want to clarify, this isn't the necessarily the dirt aspect of our Twitter dirt. It's just something we've noticed on Twitter and, um, where we both like almost had the same view right off the bat. We didn't really have to talk about it, but um, we just didn't love the approach, I guess. Yeah, I think you say, sur- no, I'm not going to say surprisingly well, but uniquely in the aspect of it's like dating. I, li- I like that. Um, we're, we're coming up, spring break's wrapping up for these guys, and they're going to be back in spring ball. Now that, and, uh, it's gotten me excited. It's got me really excited, Jordan. And uh, I wanted to get to know this quarterback room a little bit better. And so I've went through YouTube and tried to learn a little bit more about our newest quarterbacks, at least in the grad transfer route, with Ben Hicks and Nick Starkle. And uh, kind of developed a little pro-con, kind of maybe a scouting report. I don't know. I <laughs> I'm just saying. So you've been a coach before. If you want to drop that <laughs> real quick, so um, when we when we look at the two of these, we've obviously got Ben Hicks, that's coming from SMU, been under Chad Morris's um, system before. So the obvious thing and the obvious plus, the first plus between the two of these, is the aspect that Ben Hicks knows the system. I mean, pretty pretty straightforward. He's got the upper hand on that one, and all right, so there's the first point, if you want to say, to Ben Hicks. Do I need to get a tally thing going on my pad over here? <laughs> no, we're all right. Okay. So where it really gets down to it is the pure talent aspect of it. You know, running, their arm talent, accuracy, all that stuff. So when I was really looking into it, it's timing routes with an RPO and Chad Morris's offense may appear to be well balanced, but it is essentially run oriented mm-hmm. off the bat. So when you really get to it, when it comes to passing, you want your quarterback to be intelligent in that aspect and be able to have the timing routes, which are typically your shorter routes off of the RPO. So you're going to have a lot of those deals. So the first thing you're going to look at is that short-range accuracy. And that's where it gets interesting, and I will have to give that nod to Ben Hicks again. Um, In the intermediate short routes, Ben Hicks seems to have the edge there. Looking at the uh, opponents is where it's kind of tough. I mean, I saw a lot of star goal against SEC opponents. So... Mm -hmm. Uh, one game that jumped out to me was actually where it's iffy because my one knock on Big Hicks is that he's inconsistent and I would actually kind of compare his rise through college 
as a Brandon Allen in the aspect of he had some rough years, but it's weird at where they're at. Last year was a rough year for Ben Hicks, but my biggest thing is he's inconsistent. So a game that jumped out at me was the South Florida game where he started that game 13 for 13. Went into half, perfect. He finished that game losing, and he was 12 for 28. Obviously, I understand you can't be perfect, but he threw two interceptions. The game was close the whole way through, and it just, let's see, that was that was with Chad Morris, I believe, too, at the helm there. So the inconsistency is kind of the one glare that I saw with him. Now, the knock on both of these guys is their aspect of running. They both were negative when it came to rushing yards. Uh, Nick Starkle was negative 48, and Ben Hicks was negative 100, but obviously sack yardage is in there as well. So the thing that worries me about Ben Hicks is they had a lot of developed runs for Ben Hicks, and he was still in the negative. And that's Wildcats and, you know, for lack of a better term, that god-awful almost steamboat kind of thing like we tried to do with Cole Kelly. Well, that includes RPOs as well because quarterback keeper is an option there. Yep, exactly. So that's the knock on both of them there is the aspect that they aren't a runner. And you could probably say that's why Mon got the start over Starkle there at A&M and uh, Jimbo Fisher offense. Now, Starkle is so frustrating. Uh, He does not have the arm talent that I really thought he did, and he's very inconsistent on the arm talent. Like, I have a check mark right here on my board that says he is decent downfield but lacks arm talent. Now, having arm talent and having downfield accuracy are different deals because if this boy had to throw a 20-yard, 15- to 20-yard out or corner out, it's probably going to be a miss. And when you're talking about this system and running those out routes, that is a glaring weakness on Nick Starkle. The boy can't hit an out route. <laughs> um, so that's something he's got to work on, and that's gonna, that, that should come with, you know. And that's with a pretty talented A&M receiving core, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was something that kind of jumps out because – we go back to the snag crew and, you know, we feel like he's getting all these weapons. So I really wanted to see if they utilized their talent that they had around them and was spreading the ball out, you know, looking one guy off, that kind of stuff. And when Ben Hicks had weapons around him, which we will go back to Chad Morris with Sutton and Trey Quinn, he could get them to him. And the same with Starkle, but the only person that Starkle could get the ball to was uh, Kirk, who's in the pros <laughs> as well at Arizona. So that's kind of the one deal, again, with Starkle, is he, he found his guy and he stuck with him. It was almost a ride-or-die kind of situation. But, I mean, when you have a talent like Kirk, I understand that. But there's there's more than him just on the field. But some numbers for for Ben Hicks when he was with Sutton, who he had two years with him, they combined for 144 receptions, 
and 2,331 yards and 22 touchdowns. So they definitely had a connection there. Hopefully he can get that kind of deal with, uh, seem like Trey Knox is stepping up there. And uh, yeah. so uh, hopefully maybe Mike Woods. And then Trey Quinn in one year, one year, 114 receptions, 1,236 yards and 13 touchdowns. So he was definitely that last year of Chad Morris, he was getting it consistently to both of them. And there's a reason both of them are in the pros, and it's because of Ben Hicks. So he utilizes the weapons. Um, so in the aspect of progress, however, and coachability, I would actually give the nod to Starkle. The uh, knock on that is he only has two wins as a starter. He's had very limited action. And I think we know what we get with Ben Hicks, but there is a higher ceiling with Nick Starkle. And I'm, I'm loving this move more and more for KJ Jefferson because we're, we're going to get a year Ben Hicks. We're probably going to get a year of Nick Starkle, and then we'll have KJ Jefferson. By my math, that should be three years with Jefferson. In the He's system. red shirt. Yep. Yeah. But um, the only real other positive that I saw on Ben Hicks on the run, I know I said that they both aren't good runners, but on the run, throwing, moving that pocket, Ben Hicks definitely gets a nod on that. So um, inside the pocket, Nick Starkle looks great, constantly moving the feet, making good progressions, but he kind of looks a little weird once you get outside the pocket. And even on designs and whatnot, because there was a lot of, going back to the RPOs where you are moving the pocket with Ben Hicks, they, uh, they just, he just looks more natural at it than he, uh, than Starkle did. So that's a, that's my best attempt at like a John Gruden QB film. Uh, <laughs> hey man, Gruden, so get this, get this podcast out there. ESPN might come calling for you. <laughs> well, then no, I can, then I can coach the Raiders. <laughs> that's, uh, that's pretty, Pretty interesting stuff, though. Um, so you you think uh, Hicks being in the system, though, based off of what you just said, can't do anything but help everybody underneath him, not just Jefferson, but all of them. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's going to have crazy numbers. I think he's going to be in that. 2,500 to 3,000 range on yards and kind of have like his, you know, his best year that he had at SMU. I think he can replicate something close to that, but he's up in the talent at SEC play, so he's got to put in the work with that. And it's kind of good in the aspect that Chad Morris has already been there. So he's already got one year of SEC coaching under him. So him and Ben Hicks aren't starting this fresh SEC. And I, I can't help but think also, I mean, the year was bad. I'm not trying to defend the year at all, but I can't help but think that a good chunk of last year for Morris was studying SEC. Oh, yeah. I mean, that kind of sounds like a duh, but I don't mean just just in the scouting reports each week for each team, but I mean just as a whole, I guarantee you he watched more SEC ball than he's ever watched in his coaching career. Oh, absolutely. Have to get spun up on, you know, 13 other teams because even if you're not, you know, even if you're not 
playing them that year, you're going to see some stuff that sticks out because they might be playing the guy that you're playing this week and vice right. versa. And it it's not so much tape and everything. He's been doing it long enough that he can make a game plan with the best of them. But the game it's plan just, changes going from SMU coaching to, you know, Arkansas coaching. It just it just does. Yeah, just the little stuff, the game preparation and you know, it's it's bigger. You know, you're you're a minor league essentially for the <laughs> NFL yeah. right now. So when it comes to travel and availability and all this other stuff, like he he's gotta squeeze in the coaching side of stuff and be able to be available for conferences and other stuff that maybe he could kind of slide away from with SMU like he didn't have to be as available he didn't have to maybe go and try to be on Paul Feinbaum and you know that kind of stuff and still continue to develop the Razorback brand because it is still a business as much as people don't want to say it is so I'm sure uh this recruiting year probably was a lot or the last two since he came in on the tail end of it I bet you he wasn't used to being on so many shows and having so many interviews for recruiting either right. like the SEC is. You got to think about it. He's over 200-some-odd offers for this 2020 class. 200 offers. So that means he's watched, or I sure hope he's at least watched or seen <laughs> something for 200 individuals. And, you know, in an aspect, maybe we'll just say a half of them he's probably met, you know, shook their hand kind of thing. Right. That's, this is a good segue. I have a question for you. All right. Got a Chad Morris question. So uh, earlier this week, LSU extended Orgeron one year. Go Tigers! <laughs> and um, so on the radio show I was listening to, they were kind of talking about, you know, he didn't do bad. Orgeron hasn't done bad at the helm but he hasn't done LSU caliber seasons. So my question to you is, and this isn't, I'm not saying this is going to happen this year or nothing, but if we get four to five, nine and three records, four to five straight, nine and three records, are you happy with that as an Arkansas Razorback fan? So I'm taking that as he's been here for, Four years. Well, first off, I will say after his like maybe even his first nine and three season here, he'd get extended. So <laughs> um it's a little weird in that aspect, but say he's been here four years, going into his fifth year, and the last three of them are nine and three. Is that essentially what you're asking? Sure, that'll work. Am am I feeling good with that? And honestly, I kinda am. And the aspect of you're going to continue to build off of that, hopefully. I understand the idea is mediocrity at, at 9 no, to 3. No no no. So. no, 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 no. Not mediocrity. I mean, I, that's I think that's good. Yeah. I think that's so. good. But I'm saying, you're see, you got to understand, you just, you just screwed up with your answer because if he's building off of 9 and 3, there shouldn't be a fourth year of it. So that's where the question is a little weird because it's not mediocrity, but I guess it more of the same because you're staying here. I mean, you're, you're probably down at nine and three. You're probably sitting at maybe second or third in the West. Probably and, third because yeah. Alabama and LSU are two of those three so, losses. Yeah. You, you almost have to tread water in a way and wait for 
saving to disappear. <laughs> and that's I still think it's impressive. You have three straight years at nine and three. Like this fan base would be upset and want to fire him because he hasn't that's, gotten you a national championship. But that's kind of where I'm heading with that. But see, here's here's what's interesting though about nine and three in today's age of college football. The playoff. And in an expand in, in an expanded playoff, depending on where those three losses are. Because again, I'm kinda looking ahead. When you're at three losses and four or five years down, I could definitely see them expanding it. So at mm-hmm. nine and three you're, might be on the you know might be the last seed in at that point depending on who those three losses are. Yeah, that's assuming you know everything with the SEC is staying the same. But if if you're if one of those three is to Alabama, I th- should be safe to assume. And like you said, unless Saban finally retires, safe to assume that that one loss to Alabama is to the first or second ranked team, right? And then you go to number two, two of the three. Uh, maybe LSU or something like that who could be up there in that conversation as well. And then the third loss being maybe early in the season because they the committee has proven that the earlier the loss, the better. So, yeah, nine and three could arguably be a playoff spot. But as a fan myself, I feel like four to five years of nine and three – I would probably begin to get irritated, but I know where we came from, so I would. I also couldn't help but be a little ecstatic about that. Yeah, I was. I was just about to be like, so flipping it to you, but you you did that for me. So <laughs> tell us what you think. You can uh, find us at Twitter at JRD Hogcast. You can use the hashtag JRD Hogcast. And would you be okay with nine and three? Consistently. Consistently. For three or four straight years. Would you be okay with that? Think about that as we wrap up. And until next time, Woo Pig Suey. All right, for your Razorback calendar here, we start a series in baseball against the Missouri State team, and that's going to be at Springfield. And moving on, we've got the track and, team, track and field team in Austin, Texas on Wednesday. They start the Texas Relays. And uh, like we mentioned earlier in the show, the women NIT will be in Bud Walton against TCU. That's Thursday, 7 o'clock. And until next time, Woo Pig Series.